Welcome to Jags Drive Time with John Osher and Brian Sexton. Sexton. Jags Drive Time starts right now. Honestly, I think we could just keep rolling that for the next 20 minutes, and the numbers would be the same. It's a, it's phenomenal. And you know, uh, Brian Sexton, by the way, along with John Ozier here for Jags Drive Time on a Monday morning playoff week. We've got lots to talk about. John, over the last, uh, well, that's five straight wins, but over the, the last month, we'd seen a lot of celebration and enjoyment of the moment with this team, you know, the late season surge and the success. But that video right there tells you the difference between a regular season win and essentially a playoff win, which was what Saturday night was. Well, and it shows you the uh, everything, the buy-in, the enthusiasm, uh, the love of Doug Peterson, the love these guys have of each other. And it's been a real thing this year throughout. Um, I thought it was cool, Rayshon Jenkins and uh, Josh Allen hugging Doug, and, and you just thought, what these guys went through, yeah, you know, all the way through, went through, and that's an old storyline now. But for those guys, it's really not an old story. You know, it, it's they went through a lot. Uh, veteran guys, Rayshon Jenkins comes in here last year under a completely different circumstance, and I keep talking about these veterans, these free agent veterans, who all of a sudden have become leaders. And then I think you also saw the youthful enthusiasm around this, the freshness, the newness that I talked about last week. As a player and as a team, you only get this feeling once. I think this team's going to be good for a long time, but you only get this feeling of, wow, we've arrived. You only get to be young once, and that's what that felt like. And, uh, you know, for two old men, which we are now, Brian, <laughs> well, when we experienced this in 96. Seasoned is the word I like to, yeah. Well, it makes season's a lot. nice, old's real. So for a couple of guys who experienced 96, yeah. Boy, the this is that again, and I think what's cool, I mentioned this a couple times last week, there's a lot of Jaguars fans now who were young and, and are probably now 
mid-40s who have kids who are Jaguars fans who they who are probably sick of their dad talking about how great 96 was. Kids, this is it. Yeah. So now we fast forward uh, to Saturday night. And just a quick thought before we get to big things. This team, I last week I felt like they were relaxed, like they were ready for it. I didn't, I didn't sense a tension in the locker room or on the practice field. I didn't either. And yet, but I thought I saw oh, it Saturday. Man, it was yeah. there on. Well, how could you, how could you not walk out into that bowl? Yeah. With the towels twirling and seventy thousand plus fans who were there to see you and not to see you play the game, but win the game because the expectation was, an was assumption. the Jags yeah. were going to win. There's no way. I don't care who you are. There's no way you don't feel that for at least some period of time. Yeah. And I thought, I thought Doug, um, and, and this is not remotely criticism, a criticism. I think it was the right thing to do. I thought he coached to that a little bit. Not, Tried to manage it, you mean? Yeah, not well. And in the game, not wanting to have the team make a fatal mistake in the first half, uh, that sort of exacerbated that feeling of pressure if you will because I think it was real I think it was a young team he was trying to get him through that game as best he could um you know didn't want to put Trevor Lawrence in a situation where he threw a, a, a pick to the side and it goes for pick six and all of a sudden you're down 17 yeah oh no here we go you know the so uh I think that was there I didn't expect it to be there but I think it was there uh that said, I don't think it's going to be there at all this week, and that's my hot take, so I'll let you so go. So you hold off on that one. So let's roll right into big things, and we'll start with five and five. Five wins and five losses. The Jaguars experienced that five-game losing streak in October that had all of us either scratching our heads or pulling our hair out, depending on who you are. And now they end the season on a five-game winning streak. It's the highs, it's the lows. The head coach, immediately after the game, was able to put some perspective on what this team went through and how it helped them get to where they are at this moment. I think it means everything, you know, uh, to these guys that have been here. You know, they, they were at an ultimate low coming off of last season, obviously, and, and um, now they're, they're right now they're at an ultimate high with, with more football to play. And so it's, you know, and that's really the, the roller coaster of emotions that a football season can, can bring. But, you know, these guys, the guys that have been here, um, you can see it in their faces, just how, how excited and proud and, and um, it's not relief, but it's, it's, um, it's enthusiasm and it's, it's, it means everything to them. They take it to heart and, and um, it's something that we can, we can continue to build upon by by any we're, we're not where we need to be or want to be but at the same time you know we're building it and we're building it one you know kind of one piece one player uh one game at a time and, and this was a really good start for us this year big thing too good enough and the jaguars defense has been you know during that five game losing stretch the jaguars languished statistically speaking in the bottom 25% of the league. They were just giving up too many yards and too many points, and they gave up some fourth-quarter leads that had us wondering where this defense would be. However, as we have seen in recent weeks, as the Jaguars surged in takeaways, and they finished the season with 27. A year ago, they had nine. 27. This defense pushed a little bit here and there, yet when they have to, they make the play. Good enough is good enough. I think the biggest thing uh, we could take away just from those two moments is the sense of urgency. Uh, we kind of knew how the game was going. You know, they was running the ball 
And then they was giving up, they was throwing the ball quick. So if he was going to drop back the pass, he's going to get it out quick. So the sense of urgency had to be there. So Arden, to go out there and make a play, we've, he's been getting pressure. We've been getting pressure all game. And, you know, that one little second where he held it just a little bit longer, we made a play. Making a play. Sense of urgency. Man, y'all got to watch that tape, man. He cut that corner so clean. I just seen it too, brother. It was clean. Uh, but again, sense of urgency. It's the, it's, the, it's the plan for one another. It's to know if he do his part, I'm going to do my part, and we're going to win this game. Hold on to that last part because that's my hot take, and I want to tie into it. And finally, better than ever, hey, look, John said we're old. We're certainly seasoned. We've been here. Both of us were here during that run in 1996 and in 99. We've seen the stadium when it hasn't been at its best and when it's been really good. On Saturday, it was as good as it's ever been. It says a lot just, you know, just how the fans have rallied around us this year as this season's gone on and, you know, obviously late in the year, like, like we've been playing. And to see the stadium packed tonight was, was awesome. One of the best game environments I've, I've been in, honestly. So it was, it was special. They were loud all game. Um, it was really, really cool. It's a cool experience that I'll, I'll always remember that. So hopefully we'll do the same thing next week. We're going to need it. So it'll be fun. And speaking of next week, uh, 8.15 again. Yeah. Prime time, Saturday night, for the second consecutive week. Obviously, that's the first time that's happened in franchise history. And I'm told that the game is very close to being sold out on a Monday. And that doesn't always happen with playoff tickets, right? Because right? people don't necessarily budget that, and it's just after Christmas. So sometimes you got to work to get the playoff tickets sold. And that's not the case. People are snatching them up left and right. You know, I, there's so much to talk about that we won't get to everything today. But... Something interesting, and it maybe interests me because I was here in '96, and I was and I was here as a kid when you know the whole trying to get the franchise thing, and then I've gotten to know a lot of Jaguars fans through social media, through the Bold City Brigade, through through the people that I like and respect, and I feel like I care about at this point. Um, here's what's interesting, Brian: when they won in '96, when they got good in the '90s, um, nobody knew how hard it was. Because it happened so fast. Yeah. Well, guess what? Jaguars fans know how hard it is they now. They do now. So, um, and, and I'm making light of it a little bit, but if you're a fan, you have seen for 10 years how hard it is and how rare it can be. And you've suffered within the context of what football means for suffering. But it, it, as a fan, you've suffered. You've cried. You've been lampooned by the national media. You've been told you're not a good fan. Um, so I think in that sense, for a lot of fans, for a huge core of this, that Saturday night was special in a way that the 90s couldn't have been. Because the 90s, they got good so fast. I'm not taking down what they did because it was a great era. But they got good so fast that even me as a reporter covering the league, I didn't realize how hard it was to get good. Right. And then I go to Indy, and you know they're good every year. Well, the last 10 years have taught me that you know as hard as I knew it was, it's really hard. So all the fans watching, all the fans who watch this on the podcast, whatever, enjoy it. I know you are, and you've earned these moments, and it's about to get fun again. So this this first block of, of our show this morning is about perspective. So before we take a break and come back with highlights, here's the perspective for you. If you were to put a symbol next to January 9th, 2022, which is the day that the Jaguars beat the Colts and knocked them out of the playoffs, it still would have been a question mark, right? Uh. What did 2021 cost Trevor Lawrence and this team in terms of progress? 
and what was going to happen in terms of who they were going to hire and what they were going to get done in year two with Trevor. Well, here we are one year later. That was 365 days ago today, and the gesture is exclamation point. Yeah. Right? So you, with a bullet. What they've done yeah. in one year from that void to this mountaintop, it can't go unnoticed or unspoken. It's epically, unbelievably, dramatically an incredible turnaround. Yeah, and again, I know fans are going to get tired of comparing to 96, but it – it's sort of a benchmark. You know, I'm not uh, finding that. People like to be able to tie into the history of this team, yeah. too. Um, but in a way, it was – and, again, taking nothing away from those guys because what they did was hard and, they, and what they did was incredible, and they went and won in the postseason. But in a way, Doug had even a higher – or a, 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 a more difficult bar – or uh, not bar, but uh, I guess journey – because he had to erase a lot first. Like, he had to... He talked about it in the spring? Yeah, he had to build that trust, and he had to get that thing gone. Um, you know, Tom sort of had a clean slate. Yeah. So, whatever culture was here, you, know, you saw it. The man was in the walls. I mean, oh, yeah. he, was the, he was the culture and always was. And so, it's, it's a phenomenal job. You know, people always say, well, did you know that... I knew when Doug got here that that at some point, given time, he was going to win. He was the guy because he he's too stable, et cetera. And you say you know, I don't know if you knew, but I said, boy, if anybody has a shot to do this, it's him. He was the right guy. I didn't think he'd be this quick. Yeah, it felt and, good when he showed up. Yeah, and the, there's coaches who talk about being the right head coach for a situation, yeah. and you talk about being consistent, and you talk about talk about being able to weather storms and then there's coaches who are really built to do that this guy's built to do that and the 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 job that he did during October when I know he knew they should have been winning just to be calm the whole thing uh it left a lasting impression on those players yeah and not all coaches can do that and this organization now feels like by the way that he's in the walls that this place has adopted, or yeah. at least has gone a long way towards taking his personality. And now you're not scared of the walls jumping out and not yelling at you. <laughs> it feels pretty good. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, some highlights and commentary from Saturday night's big win over the Titans, giving the Jaguars the 2022 AFC South Championship. Feels good to say it. We'll say it a lot this week as we roll on with Jags Drive Time. Jaguars Drive Time on a Monday morning, presented by our friends at Car Shield, and time for some highlights to relive Saturday night. Now, reliving it means we've got to go through the rough spots to get to the great moment, uh, and we'll start with the fumble in the first half, and I think a lot of people had their heart in their throat at that moment. Seven straight completions, by the way, now for Trevor Lawrence after his first pass is incomplete, and this ball's on the ground and recovered by Tennessee. And Henry... Fresh legs, Dobbs throws, end zone shot, pass caught, touchdown. And at that point, the Jaguars are down 10 to nothing, and all you can think of is, what are you doing? Well, yeah, and I heard that a lot from people, and uh, 21 almost housed that. Um, But I know what Doug was doing. Uh, He wanted to have 
some, yeah, I'm saying misdirection. I'm not looking for the, uh, or the word. He wanted to have some creativity and some things to make the Titans think without taking huge risks. Say, well, they fumbled. It's a huge risk. As a play caller, your feel for that kind of a play is it really shouldn't be a huge risk. Sure. So he was trying to strain the defense, I think, without putting undue pressure or risk on himself, uh, meaning as a play caller, as an offense. And when you fumble, well, it, it, when you're drawing that up, I don't think you predict the fumble, uh, or you wouldn't do it, obviously. But when you're drawing that up, that seems safer than it looks in retrospect. Uh, and, you know, again, one difference in this team, you're down 10 nothing. Uh I'll admit, I you know I started writing a little bit the other way because you're thinking, uh, here we go again, uh, but this is not a here we go again team. No, uh, and they proved it with the next kickoff and the Jaguars' offensive drive. Two Thursdays ago, and it's ten nothing Tennessee. Agnew brings it up. Look out, Jamal Agnew down near midfield. And making some making some good decisions. Under three to go in the first half. Lawrence keeps. Kirk, touchdown, Jaguars. And that was an absolute laser. I mean, look, all three phases. You want to talk about complimentary football? At times, they did play that on Saturday night, and to have that 54-yard return to set up this laser of a pass from Trevor to Christian Kirk. All of a sudden, everything felt better. Yeah, and I think I've gotten some emails in the last few days, uh, or uh, since game, of people very worried about the offense. Well, they only scored this, only scored that. Yeah, they didn't produce the way they wanted to, and they all said that after the game. I think if if you look at it from a, are you worried about the production standpoint, though, um, they gave away 11 points in the first half with the fumble and then when Trevor missed Zay in the end zone. So... Yeah, you should have gotten the points and they just open the scoreboard. But in terms of how the offense is functioning, um, you know, I, I don't think it was a broken offense the other night by any stretch. I think uh, just the circumstances kept them from sort of getting the scoreboard lead, the scoreboard edge they wanted. Uh, and of course, you got to close. I mean, the, it, the fumble didn't count as a red zone failure. Uh, because I think it was at the 21 or something, yeah. but it was it it felt like a red zone, and that's been felt. a storyline we followed all season long. Yeah, so in that game, they gave away 11 possible red zone points early. If you look at it that way, mm-hmm. that hasn't been their mo late. I don't think it'd be their mo going forward, but it hurt them on Saturday. All right, so the Jaguars drive down, get a field goal to start the third quarter, and then the Titans get a field goal on their ensuing drive. So you're down 16-10 and wondering what's it going to take. Maybe a takeaway is all they needed. That thing on this possession. Dobbs airs it out. Burks, the target, he's picked. Intercepted by Campbell. Great return. Out of bounds at the 25. Time throughout the night, and when it mattered most, Simmons was there to make the play. 36-yarder by Patterson, and that's three points off the turnover. So there you are, down 16-13, John, and now feeling like it might be the team that has the ball last. Yeah, different, a little different circumstance, but didn't it feel like you could have superimposed A.J. Boye onto that play? 100%. And, and, you know, uh, against the Chargers back in 2017, 
And again, we make these comparisons. Right down that same sideline. Not taking any away from players who do it, but it just seemed like that. And I feel like, oh, that's the kind of play they need. Uh, and and uh, again, we talked a lot. Credit to Tyson Campbell. Um, probably wasn't the hardest interception he's ever made in his life, but turned back to the ball, got eyes on it. Uh, and a big play that uh, even though they didn't get seven out of it, in a game like that, three points, momentum swings, huge play. So now you're down 16-13 heading into the fourth quarter. I want to show you a couple of defensive plays. Don't lead to scores or anything like that, but just to show you how the Jaguars' defense bowed up, we'll start with Trayvon Walker. Had a big one wiped out because of a penalty. Second and five. Here he is again. And that, and that play was made out on the edge. Dobbs is sacked. Brought down by Robertson Harris. And the play by Trayvon Walker... How many people can do this to Derrick Henry, right? Derrick's trying to stiff arm him, and that is not happening. Yeah, and I get what the storyline is going to be. Aiden Hutchinson had a, had a nice game last night. Okay, this this wasn't a sack. So in in the dialogue in the off season, nobody's going to talk about that play because nope. all that matters is sacks anymore. Um, but uh, Trayvon forced a big play in the first half on uh, on Saturday by drawing a hold that took away a, a scramble by line. Josh Dobbs. Oh, no, you got it. Got it. Um, so uh, making an impact, um, you know, I, I can't control off-season narratives, but Trayvon Walker played really well the other night. I think if you are a fan of this football team and you watch 44, on the Roy Robertson-Harris sack, yeah. he forced it. He forced right. Dobbs to shoot up the middle, and Roy just dumped him. He was pushing the pocket, and uh, his, his presence – was dictating what the Titans were doing at right. times the other night. And they were dictating the Titans. And I know we're you know short on time. I thought they did a great job defensively. Young quarterback pushing him back, pushing him back toward his own goal line. Pressure, pressure all through the second half, and it finally broke him. And so I have to set this up. Uh, 3.47 left to play. I get on the elevator with Fred Taylor to go to the field to host post game and I closed my laptop and I had just written quick thoughts and it was tough way to end the season because Derrick Henry was running for first downs and it felt like they were going to be able to run the clock out on the Jaguars between the time that the doors closed at the top and the doors opened at the bottom this happened Dobbs is hit from behind the ball's out they're calling this a fumble at the moment and the return by Allen for the touchdown. Jenkins hit Dobbs. And for now, it's a touchdown. So the elevator doors open, and I say to Fred, it seems things might have changed. And we raced to the field. Yeah, and again, so much talk about this game, but it uh I kind of laughed when Gene Frenette of the Florida Times Union a few weeks ago was writing the Team of Destiny story. But when you basically bounce past a perfect bounce past 30 yards of fumble, this couldn't have gone better into Josh Allen's hands. Uh, what a moment. And, you know, uh, they worked their butts off for it the entire second half. The defense grinding, grinding, grinding trying to get that play and credit to him they got it and isn't there some irony to the fact that that wouldn't have happened if josh allen had been rushing the passer instead he was back in coverage, back in coverage. and we've talked about that right. you know a lot this year about allen and coverage maybe not being the best situation it certainly was and that of course leads to this 
Leading to 10 points off the turnovers. And they allowed just three second half points. Lawrence takes a knee. And the Titans look like they're going to let it go. A team that had won four games total over the last two years. And Doug Peterson told us, I want to win this for Shad. Shad Khan, in his 11th year as owner here with the Jaguars, beloved, willing to spend, dying to win. And nine of the previous 10 years, he had had losing seasons. Just the one winning year in 2017 when they went to the AFC champ game. And they've done it. Jaguars have won the AFC South. Fifth straight win. And it was the first time they have swept the Titans since 2006. Man, did that feel good. Yeah, and only the second time in franchise history they've done it. Um, all the things we talked about last week, Brian, that are significant. Won the South and beat every team in the South for the first time. Since 2010. So you you can sort of walk around with your chest out that you really won it, and, and you— uh, you earned this, and as Arden Key said, they uh, they run the South. And uh, for fans who have waited for this, what a cool feeling and uh, what a cool night. And interesting to me that uh, you've had two winner-take-all games in this franchise's history, and you could argue that out of those two games came two plays that are among the top what, uh, two or three of all time in Without franchise. Without a doubt. And, and maybe the most unlikely. I mean, Morton Anderson missing happens one out of 100 times. He'd hit 59 consecutive. Yeah. That ball bouncing that way to Josh Allen. Yeah. Doesn't happen. If, if you went out and threw that to Josh Allen 100 times, it would go a million different ways before it bounced right into his hands, dead run, picks it up. Uh, maybe it's fate, but it's pretty cool. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, hot takes from Saturday night's victory and looking ahead to this Saturday night's playoff game against the Los Angeles Chargers. Call CarShield now. If your car's out of manufacturer's warranty, don't get stuck with expensive mechanical and computer screen repairs. Call CarShield now. Take a close-up, okay? <laughs> I think, you know, obviously it's a feeling uh, hard to describe. I'm speechless. But uh, Doug, Trent, their staff, obviously the players, um, you know, what a difference they've made and really people showing up. The 12, 13, 14, and 15th man and woman in the stands that got us over the edge. You could just see the look in his eyes as he stood outside the locker room in the early morning hours of Sunday morning uh, and how much he enjoyed that. And and uh, good for shot. I mean, uh, last year this time, everybody knows all, all, all the criticism, all the fan stuff after Urban Meyer. Uh, and, and, and Shad famously with that hire said, I got it right this time. Yeah. Well, a year later, he hit it out of the park. Um, and as much as people, when teams lose, ownership's always going to get criticized. Uh, wrongly in this case, in a lot of ways. Um, but since he has been here, Shad ha has spent and spent and spent and tried to win and wanted to win. It, it sometimes takes time as an owner to figure out 
everything and to get it right. And there can be an element of, of uh, good fortune that you need as an owner because you are hiring people that you've done the vetting work on, but you still need luck. You still need things to happen right. Uh, it's happening right now. Things are going in the right direction. I think he's going to enjoy a lot of years of success now. Good for him. Good man. I'm so happy for him. All right, time for hot takes here on Jags Drive Time on a Monday morning, and we'll start with you. Uh, I was I, I was still wallowing in my shod take. Um, the Jaguars' offense must be bolder on Saturday to win. I know we're going to have more time this week to talk about next week's game. Uh, they must be bolder. Uh, I had said last week a lot that I thought Trevor Lawrence, in order for them to beat the Titans, I thought he needed to play. I thought he needed to be special Trevor, which he had been against the Titans before and against Dallas and hadn't been in the two weeks leading up to it. He had a couple moments where he was special, Trevor, um, but I think they need that back on Saturday, and I think Doug Peterson and the offense's approach will be far more aggressive, uh, and I think they will be bolder, and I think that's why they will win. I expect them to win on, on Saturday because of that. I don't think they can win playing the way they did on no, Saturday. not against the Chargers. But at the same time, as Doug has said often this year, the circumstances of a game dictate to how you play. I don't think they'll play the same way as they did against Tennessee. I think they'll be bold against the Chargers. And I, I expect them to be much freer going after it. I don't say nothing to lose because he always has something to lose. Yeah, I think they but, will be a looser team on, right. on Saturday. Well, because they're, they're playing with house money this year. They have exceeded – the expectation. They have won the division. They have won nine games, and we spent the entire summer talking about six, seven probably seemed right for this team. So I think you can come out and play loose because you are now playing with house money. My take on your take is if they're going to do that and be bold and go and, and score 30 points, which I think you need to beat Los Angeles, Travis Etienne has to have a big game. Yeah. And, and, and obviously the Titans are one of the best run defenses in football and for the second consecutive matchup with ETN, they took him out of the game. Mm -hmm. You need him. I think he opens everything up for Ingram coming across the middle and Zay Jones down the yeah. field. I think the threat of ETN is critical this week. I also think, too, and again, we've got so much time to dig into the managing the matchup. One reason that the offense against Tennessee didn't really get that smooth feeling is the Titans did the same thing the Texans did to him in week five shorten the game you know you had a nine minute drive in the first half they were running playcock down to two when you're doing that you get out of rhythm offensively and every time you every time you have the ball you feel like it's almost better score like, now it's almost like a home run hitter when he's hitting against a guy who's pitching a no hitter your hands get tight and you and you're swinging for the fences every time and it, it reduces your chance of success i don't think this game saturday will have that we've got a score now feeling because we're not getting the ball back for an hour and a half. All right, here's mine, and I'll say that number two, Rayshon Jenkins, is the Jaguars' defense. Now you're thinking, of course, he's got the two biggest plays of the year, the interception return against Dallas that won the game in overtime and the play on Saturday night. But it's more to the point that Rayshon Jenkins was the target of the Titans' offensive game plan. They ran everything to the sidelines. They tried to get matchups with him because he's not a coverage safety. And he was chasing left and right, and he's aggressive, and they were trying to take advantage of his aggressiveness. And so he gave up a couple of third down mm -hmm. and fourth down conversions. However, when the game was on the line, when they needed to play the most, he comes up with the biggest play of the season. And that's really the personality of this Jags defense. I talked earlier, John, 
that they're statistically challenged in terms of their mm-hmm. rankings, right? They're not a team that's going to rank in the top 10. They're not a team that's going to shut everybody down and keep people off the scoreboard. Yeah, I mean, they did it against the Jets and against the Texans, but they didn't do it against the Cowboys, and they didn't do it against the Lions, and they didn't do it against the Chiefs. However, when the time comes they need to make a play in the last five weeks, they've made huge plays. 27 takeaways. 27. 300% increase from a year ago. And there's no no player that personifies this defense better than Rayshon Jenkins. Think about this. If you're... I don't know where Rayshon Jenkins will finish his career here ranked among the all-time Jaguars defensive players. I do know that if you you know if you walk the hallways inside this office there are pictures of, of some of the biggest plays in Jaguars history. He has two of them. Um I, if 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 you took a picture of the moment that he hit Josh Dobbs the other night and the moment that he broke free against Dallas you would have two of what the the, the biggest six, seven defensive plays in this franchise's history. Uh, oh, defensive plays. Maybe higher than that. I mean, maybe it, one it, and two. Yeah, it, it just um, a remarkable run again for or uh, month for a guy who, again, I, I can't tell you how unusual it is for a free agent to come in in the circumstances he came in, navigate that, and then turn into sort of a speed, you know. A lot of guys go in the tank. They want out. Even when they're still around, they just, just don't quite fit into it. You've seen it a million times. Um, none of the free agents have done that. No. But Rayshon, you know, seems in a way to personify that. I'm hoping to get him on as the Ozone Podcast guest. He's terrific. I love talking to him. And, I th- uh, you know, uh, what a cool story he has become this year. All right, folks. The Jacksonville Jaguars would like to think to thank JEA's frontline teams for all the work they do to help our community thrive. Please help us recognize JEA's frontline team of the game, representing the 2,000 employees who work hard to serve you each and every day, and our JEA lineman of the game from the Jaguars is Devon Hamilton, John, who was seemingly all over the interior of the line against Derrick Henry on Saturday night. Yeah, this... if Trayvon Walker was a true defensive lineman, maybe we go that direction because Trayvon, again, was outstanding. And Josh Allen, if he was a true defensive lineman, you know, three, four, maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But I don't know the stats, and I haven't talked to anybody on the, on the defensive line staff about this, but it seemed like every time you looked up, he was, he was making a play. He was making a play. And I guess you could say, well, Derrick Henry still got yards or whatever, but I, I thought what they did well against Derrick Henry the night. Yeah, and I think most NFL people would tell you if you can make Derrick Henry work that hard for his 100 yards, then you're putting over the course of the game, which they did, I think, yes, Derrick Henry got eight and then seven a couple times and got him out of situations. But then there were also a lot of times where they got him and then they were facing third and 12 or third and eight. And I thought that's what they had to do, and that's what they did. Late in the game, they got better at that. And all of a sudden, the Titans were trying to come out of their own end zone facing bad down and distance. And the Jaguars got them a couple of times on that, took advantage of the young quarterback. Uh, So I think you play 60 minutes and you grind against the Titans. You wait for those big plays. They earned the chances to make – their big plays at the end of the game by limiting Henry and uh, Devon was a big part of that. All right. He's our JEA lineman of the game.
And we're back after this to wrap up Jags drive time on a Monday morning from TIAA Bank Field in Jacksonville. Move the freight. Magellan Transport, voted coolest office space in Jacksonville, invites you to apply online at MagellanLogistics.com to join their team and help them move that freight. Time now for our Florida Lottery High School Scholar Athlete of the Month. It's J.J. Moore. Jarius J.J. Moore has proven academic excellence, dedication to the community as an elementary school mentor, and he's demonstrated leadership on and off the football field, basketball court, and in the weight room at Ridgeview High School. J.J. has a 3.3 GPA and would like to study anesthesiology after a college football career. Congratulations, J.J. The Bright Future Scholarship Program, which is primarily funded by the Florida Lottery, assists students in pursuing post-secondary educational and career goals. I won a lot of shaky futures awards when I was in high school. Run. And <laughs> Did you ever think about studying anesthesiology? I, I, I sometimes thought about studying. Good to see. All right. Um, just quickly, another primetime game. Yeah. Saturday night. Um, we talked ad nauseum, and we will, about this team. But just a quick thought on the Los Angeles Chargers, who come in on the, the, uh, the loss in Denver, but they didn't need to win because – their playoff Yeah, they found position out was before seated. the game that the playoff issue was seeded. Uh, I haven't really checked on it, but it, it seems like they played their guys. Yeah, and, and, they had two and, injuries. And had a couple injuries. It could be major. There'll be storylines all week. Um, Joey Bosa. Yeah. And um, Mike Williams. Mike Williams. And uh, so two key guys. They were beat up when the Jags went out there. I don't really take much. Uh, it was so long ago. Yeah, there's not much uh, to be had. It was, it, you know. It was before the Jaguars knew what they were. I'm sure the Chargers are different. Um, but one factor here that, that that does play in, Chargers played Sunday, Jaguars played Saturday, and the Chargers are Had to go to Denver, had to go home. A short and now, week. Yeah. Uh, that can matter. So we'll see. All right. We'll find out more. We've got a big show planned for you on Wednesday. More details to come. Jaguars and Chargers in the wild card round from TIAA Bank Field in Jacksonville. Buckle up, folks. It's going to be another fun week to be a Jaguars fan. And we'll say goodbye and see you on Wednesday with another edition of Jags Drive Time. Hey, batter, batter. Are you ready to hit a home run with flavor? Step up to the plate and swing by Penn Station East Coast Subs, where every bite is a grand slam. Craving a classic Philly cheesesteak or maybe a savory chicken teriyaki? Or how about loading up on their delicious fresh-cut fries? Call it a triple play by ordering Penn Station's signature fresh-squeezed lemonade. When it comes to subs, Penn Station is the big league. Order online at penn-station.com or stop at a store near you. Penn Station East Coast Subs.